Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, and we take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. You can always join us live each Sunday morning at 8.30, 9.45, or 11 a.m. at our Rock Spring, Georgia campus, or at 11 a.m. at our Rossville, Georgia campus, which is just outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Romans chapter 8. I started a sermon series last week called Cope, and that is uh, dealing effectively with difficulty. We, we have to, everybody copes in one way or another or, or tries to, and so how do we as Christians cope with difficulty? Well, I'm kind of basing everything uh, launching from this verse, 1 Thessalonians 4.13, where Paul said, we want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters concerning those who are asleep that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. Now, here's what Paul said. Even in a death situation, that those who know Jesus as Savior should cope and even grieve differently than those who are far from God who are, don't know Jesus as their Savior. So really, that, that's our mandate is that, listen, we are a witness to a lost and dying world by how we cope with difficulty, with death, with distress, with depression in our own lives. And so we are a witness to law to, to people far from God when the people who are supposed to be close to God are uh, coping differently. So we looked at last week, uh, you, you know, keeping our mind on God and, and that. Here's what I want to do today. I want to preach on this subject, how to pray hurt. How to pray hurt. Now I'll walk you through that in, in just a moment. Outside uh, downtown London, uh, police were called to a park just a few weeks ago. It was the very end of July because someone had reported fears of an apex predator in this public downtown park. Now, if you don't know what an apex predator is, uh, it's basically, you look it up, but it's basically something that hunts and kills other mammals or specifically humans. If you can hunt and kill a human, you are an apex predator. And so humans are apex predators, polar bears, most bears are uh, tigers, uh, lions, uh, uh, crocodiles, even a king cobra is considered an apex predator. So, so they got this report that, hey, there's an apex predator loose in a downtown park. And so police showed up because they, they thought it was a tiger. And they showed up, and there is what they saw when they pulled up. They shined their lights on it, and pretty much they called in backup. They thought, hey, we've got a, we've got a tiger of some sort on the loose. And so they surrounded it there in the park beach. And they noticed while all the cars were driving up that the tiger didn't get spooked or anything. It just kind of hung out on the bench. And as they approached it, they figured out it was actually a uh, um, stuffed animal somebody had left on back of the park bench. Good, I mean, good news, right? Good news, right? Like, it, somebody wanted it the circus or thought it'd be funny, but I mean, I don't know how they thought they'd mistake it because it kind of looks like a tiger to me uh, there, but police showed up and, you know, it's a stuffed animal. And I, I read that story and, and here's what went through my mind. Man, wouldn't it be great if the problems in our lives turned out to be just stuffed animals? Wouldn't that be great? Like, we have apex problems in our lives, don't we? Like, wouldn't it be great that after you had gone to the doctor and the doctor gave you bad news, he called you back next day and he was like, oh, I'm sorry, I got your file mixed up with someone else. You're perfectly healthy. Don't worry about it. Wouldn't it be great if 
if after you got downsized at your work, your boss called you back and was like, oh, I'm sorry, we meant to let, and I'm not wishing ill will on anybody else, but it'd be nice every now and then just for a problem that you thought you had turned out not to be your problem at all. But the fact is that almost never happens because your problems are real. Your anxieties are real and they are discouraging and they are crippling. And when you're trying to cope with crushing anxiety and worry know this it is going to be a constant battle in your life like you are going to have these anxieties you're going to have these worries you're going to have these problems and I just want you to know while you're trying to cope the enemy is not going to let you cope easily so knowing the enemy is not going to let us cope easily here's what I want you to know this morning that you need help in your coping battle and that help most often will come through prayer that God has designed prayer as a mechanism to help you overcome your anxiety to help you overcome your fear help you overcome your uh, uh, disappointment to help you overcome your distress and as we see it all throughout the Bible I'll just show you a few verses right here Jonah chapter 2 the Bible says Jonah prayed to the Lord as God from the belly of the fish I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me, and I cried out for help from deep inside Sheol, or the grave. You heard my voice. Now, here's what, Jonah, you know the story of Jonah. He was disobedient to God and got swallowed by a whale, and he prayed. And I just want to give you some free advice. If you get swallowed by a whale, this is a good time to pray, right? Like, just take advantage of it. I don't know what else you're going to do, but hey, if you're, can we just say this? Can I paint a broad, if you're swallowed by anything, just go ahead and pray. Right then, it's a great time to pray. And Jonah got swallowed by something. Jonah said, whew, I think I'm going to at least try to get a prayer answered to God. And here's what Jonah said. In my distress, I prayed to the Lord. And church, listen to me. In your distress is an awesome time to pray to the Lord. Why? Prayer, prayer helps us cope with life's problems. Not only that. We see in 2 Samuel chapter 22, David said this in a time of distress. David said, I called to the Lord in my distress. I called out to my God from his temple. He heard my voice and my cry for help reached his ears. I called to the Lord in my distress. David was in a stressful situation. David was in a discouraging situation. David was in a fearful situation. And what did he do? His reaction was to stop and in that time of distress to pray. And church, listen to me, in a time of distress for you, it's always a good time to pray and the psalmist said it again psalm 120 verse 1 in my distress i called to the lord and he answered me so i just want to say and there's so many other verses i could have showed you but i just want to tell you when you are distressed god has designed prayer as a weapon and even a comfort when you are hurting god wants you to pray sometimes god lets that discouragement and anxiety come into our lives so we will pray why prayer is a coping mechanism talking to god is a coping mechanism when you are hurt you should be praying but can i say this prayer can be difficult when you're hurt i don't know if you've ever been there or not but prayer can be so hard when you're hurt See, when you're hurt, sometimes when you're hurt, you can't pray because your emotions overwhelm you. Sometimes you are so distraught that internally your emotions just won't let you pray. Sometimes when you're hurting, you don't know what to say. Sometimes when you're hurting, you have no direction at all. 
Sometimes when you're hurting, you, you can't pray because you feel like you're asking God for the impossible. Sometimes when you're praying, it seems like your faith is gone or it's not strong. And I've discovered this about Christians, and I, it's not a slight, it's just true for all of us. It's easy to have faith when somebody else is hurting. It's easy for me to say, well, you just need to trust God. You just need to trust in the Lord. You just need to believe God. But I've seen those same people with strong faith towards you. It evaporates when it's them hurting. And when it's you, it can be hard to pray. And in those moments, it becomes prayer becomes one of the hardest tasks we could possibly do. When you feel like God has abandoned you, you feel like you're all alone, and you feel hopeless, and you're hurt. You ought to be praying, but how do you pray? Would you stand with me? I want to read one verse together, but I want to honor God's word by standing here in the building. At home, it'll be up on the screen. And by the way, at home, if you're, if you're watching at home or wherever you may be on the app, make sure you log in on the app. You, you can look at your Bible and everything so much easier if you log in or set up an account on the app. But look at verse 26, Romans chapter 8. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should but the spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings thank you you may be seated unspoken groanings Romans chapter 8 is a beautiful uh, chapter in in the Bible it's a beautiful chapter in the book of Romans where Paul is dealing with all sorts of things in, in the Christian life. And I'll be honest, if, if, if Romans 8.26 were not in the Bible, we, we would hardly have that kind of verse that we're going to look at today that just gives us such comfort because Romans chapter 8 ends on this powerful note about the love of God. And it's just a beautiful, you know, Romans 8.28, we looked at it, we know all things work together to good for them who love God, to them who are called. We, like, we know that verse, but oftentimes we jump over verse 26 to get to verse 28. And verse 26 is a powerful verse for when we are hurting as well. So let me explain to you what Paul said about how to pray hurt. There's four things I want to tell you today. And if you're a note taker, write these down in your Bible. Number one, I want to tell you this. When you need to pray hurt, number one, know this. You are not alone. Now here, here's what he said in verse 26. The Spirit helps us. I love that. Now follow with me. That word help in the Bible is only used in the Greek two times in the Bible. And it's really important to know the other time it's used. The other time it's used is in Luke chapter 10, verse 40. You remember when Jesus was in Bethany and he was at Mary and Martha's house. And the Bible tells us that Martha was busy doing all the stuff in the house. She was cooking the dinner. She was cleaning up the house. She was doing the dishes. She was handling the servant. Like Martha was doing everything that had to be done. And the Bible says that Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha got a little upset because Mary was at the feet of Jesus. And Martha went to Jesus and said, Jesus, would you ask my sister to help me. And it's the same word help used in Romans 8, 26. Only two times it's used in the Bible. Martha said, Jesus, I've got all this going on in my life. I've got all this anxiety in my life. I've got all this help, and I need some help. Hold on. We get to Romans 8, 26, and here's what Paul told us. Same thing as what Martha said. You've got this time in your life when you've got anxiety, you've got too much going on, you've got all this stress. Here's what Paul said. Do not be discouraged. You are not alone. That the Holy Spirit of God is here to help 
you with everything that you need help with. And let me say, I'd love to preach a whole sermon on the Holy Spirit. I may do it soon, but the Holy Spirit is an active agent in the Christian's life. He indwells us. He seals us. He regenerates us. He baptizes us all, all at the moment of salvation. He sanctifies us. He fills us. He gives us gifts. That All of that is the job of the Holy Spirit. But then we get to verse 26 in Romans 8, and here's what we find out, that he is also with us when we are hurting. Do you know why? Because we never feel more alone than when we are hurting. You'd think it'd be impossible to feel alone in this generation. There, there should be no such thing as loneliness. I mean, if I were to ask you how many friends you, you have, if you're on social media, you're going to say hundreds or even thousands of friends on social media. Right? We're so super connected. I'll, I'll show you. Did you know this, that 64% of car accidents are caused by distracted driving. What do you mean distracted driving? What well, used to be because you were eating a cheeseburger in the car, and now it's because you're doing this all the time. Did you know that an average student can only stay on task for uh, two minutes? Two minutes? Why? Because we're doing this. Do you know the average Internet user's online screen focus lasts for an average of 40 seconds? Because we're always doing this. You know, the average 25 to 34-year-old checks his or her, her phone 50 times a day? That the average 25 to 34-year-old spends two and a half hours a day on social media, while the average 8 to 18-year-old spends nine hours a day with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of friends. Excessive device usage. We use our devices so much, here's what they tell us, is leading to decreases in marital and relational satisfaction. We are on our devices so much with all of our friends, we're ruining our marriages. And on average, we spend 650 hours per year reading and responding to email. One more, one more. We touch, swipe, tap our screens an average of 2,617 times a day. I find myself sometimes sitting at home and I've got my phone there and I don't need to be doing anything on it and I'll just tap it. You remember how you used to wake your baby in the middle of the night to make sure it was breathing? We do it with our phones now. We just tap it. Just We'll make sure it's working. For no reason. I mean, we are super duper connected. But loneliness is an epidemic with 54% of people saying they always or sometimes feel that no one knows them well. We are super duper connected. We have hundreds and even thousands of friends, yet we've never been more lonely than we are today. And we've never been more lonely than we are today. And in the midst of that loneliness, we've never been, we're never more lonely than when we are hurting. Because when we are hurting, we'll start to feel as if no one cares. We'll start to feel that no one knows what's going on in our lives. We'll start to feel that no one understands us. But I have news for you today. Someone does care for you. You are not alone. The Holy Spirit of God is always with you. And He is always your constant companion. He indwells the believer for just that reason. He is there to be your comforter. And Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 1, uh, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us, that's through the Holy Spirit, in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. 
But Paul said, God is there to comfort you in all of your affliction. Listen to me, we are not alone. When uh, you are hurting, the Lord wants to be your comforter. The Holy Spirit wants to be your friend. He is waiting for you to embrace He and His love. And listen, here's, here's how that works in a prayer. When you kneel to pray, know this. You're not praying alone. You have a friend on your side. You have an advocate on your side. You have a helper on your side. The Holy Spirit is there to help us. We have this tendency when we're hurting to push other people away. We have this tendency when we're hurting to even push God away. But I've got news for you. You cannot push the Holy Spirit. He is there. And he's always your constant companion. And you're never alone. When you stop and kneel in prayer and you say, God, I'm hurting and I'm all alone, it is the Holy Spirit that whispers to your heart, you are not alone. Second thing Paul wanted us to know was this. How do, how do you pray hurt? Number two, you want you to know you can't be strong all the time. Here's the word he used, weaknesses. It's a Greek word that refers to weakness of any kind. It can be physical, psychosomatic, emotional, economic, financial, relational, anything that would cause you to say, I'm not feeling well, I'm not doing well. If, you're, if somebody says, how are you doing? If the truthful answer for you is not good, that is a weakness. Now listen, all of us are going to go through weaknesses at some point in your lives. Chances are. Facts are. You're going to go through weaknesses at multiple times in your life. And here's what Paul was trying to tell us. You are not always going to be t strong. There are going to be times in your life that you're going to internally make this statement, I do not feel well. Your physical life isn't well. Your emotional life isn't well. Your financial life isn't well. Your relational life isn't well. Sometimes, though, hear me, weakness is not all bad. Sometimes God wants you weak. So your relationship with him can level up to a different level. See, here's why. Can I talk about us for a second? We have this, depend, this tendency to depend on ourselves instead of God for as long as we can. We have this tendency that when times are good, we only put faith in us. And it takes a weakness to make us understand God wants us to depend on him. All the time it's through the weakness that we're made strong i'll say this illustration it's not even an illustration just let me tell you this and you'll get it you'll, you're going to know somebody immediately so hang with me you know that person in your life it may have been you who uh, was going on marrying life had no cares in the world maybe had some bad habits in their lives and then something happened to them maybe they had a heart attack or they got a disease or or something happened to them and they wound up in front of the doctor maybe in front of the hospital and the doctor looked at them and said this if you don't straighten things out in your life you're not going to live very long you know what happened a lot of times is that old guy said okay i'm gonna straighten things out and his wife had been nagging him forever about it like his wife had been telling him you can't eat a bucket of lard a day and live like you just can't do that but he didn't listen but you know what there's nothing like sitting in a hospital that'll make you realize you're weak. And you've seen that same guy, that same gal, they leave that situation and they go and totally clean up their lives. And when they clean up their lives, here's the deal, they were stronger than they were before 
The weakness. So here's what happened. The weakness led to strength. I see it in marriages all the time. Couples come and they're like, hey, our marriage is falling apart. Is there any hope for our marriage? I'm like, yeah. But here's the deal. One's been trying to get the other one to go to counseling for years. They've been trying to get things worked out. And everyone, all of a sudden, it, something blew up in the marriage. And all of a sudden, they're like, hey, we got to work on this. And the blow up led to the, the weakness led to the strength. The weakness made them stronger. Can I tell you this? Sometimes God puts a weakness in your life so you'll quit depending totally on yourself and build your relationship with him. Here's what, here's what Paul said. It's in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 12. Paul said, therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me, so I would not exalt myself. Concerning this, I plead with the Lord. So here's what Paul's saying. He said, well, I don't exalt myself. If you're depending in you more than you are God, you're exalting yourself. So hang on. Paul said, concerning this, I plead with the Lord three times that he would, would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. My power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, Paul said, I most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions. And in Paul said, hey, just bring it all on, devil. For the sake of Christ, why? Here it is. For when I'm weak, then am I strong. For when I'm weak, then am I strong. You can't be strong all the time. Weakness brings, brings strength. Here's what I want you to know. Praying while weak is a sign of strength. I know you may be thinking, well, what I'm going through today makes no sense whatsoever. But before I tell you how to pray, listen to this. You could be on the verge of the greatest season of strength in your life. And it may be that God is trying to drive you down on your knees into a weakness so that you can be weak but then become you can't be strong all the time. Or when you kneel to pray, you're trusting in you more than you're trusting in God. You're never alone. You can't be strong all the time. But number three, let me show you this. Praying hurt is not easy. Look at what Paul said. Because we do not know what to pray for as we should. That's an understatement sometimes. When we're hurt, we often don't know what to pray have you ever been facing a hardship, something that made you weak and you had no idea what to ask God for? Paul admitted that there are times in life when we are clueless about how to pray. Why would we be clueless about to pray? I love this word. You, I love the word convoluted. I don't know why I love the word. But there are times your situation is so convoluted you don't even know where to begin. There's sometimes you can't pray, you don't know what to say because your emotions are running so high you don't even know how to pray. There's sometimes your knowledge is too little. There's sometimes your pain is too great. There's sometimes your vision for the future is too blurry. Sometimes you're going to get down on your knees hurt and look to heaven and say, God, God, I have no idea. I mean, that's life in general, right? Some things are easy to figure out. Some things are hard to figure out. I, I can I be honest? I have, I have trouble ordering at restaurants that are complicated. Like if I go to Chick-fil-A, which you can't do today, but if I go to Chick-fil-A, I know exactly what to order, a number one extra large with a diet lemonade. You take me to Cheesecake Factory, and they give you an encyclopedia of recipes at a, chick, a Cheesecake Factory. I, I'm, I, half the time I'm like, hey, Sherry, just order for me. Get me something. I don't care what it is. I'll eat anything because it, it, it overwhelms me. It overwhelms me. Look, if a menu overwhelms me, imagine praying 
hurt. There's just too many choices. There's too much going on. There's just too much in my life. Praying hurt can be hard. Praying hurt can be confusing. But let me give you the secret. Hold on. Here it is. If you'll write any sentence I say down today, write this sentence down. Here it is. Prayer isn't for bringing solutions to God. Prayer is for bringing problems to God. We get confused in prayer and don't know why to pray because we think we've got to go to God and say, God, here's a problem going on in my life. Here's a, here's a wayward son. Here's a wayward daughter. And God, let me tell you, I think here's what you need to do in life. You need to work this out. You need to work that out. God, I went to the doctor and here's what the doctor said. And so God, I need to tell you what the doctor said. God, I looked at my checkbook and the checkbook didn't look back. God, it's not good. Here's what needs to happen. And listen, God's up in heaven going saying, hey, I don't want your solutions. You don't know how to pray. I want your problems. Listen, there are going to be times in your life when you don't have the solution. And that's almost every time. God doesn't want your solutions brought to him. God wants your problems brought to him. And Too many times even when we bow our heads and we, we pray hurt, We're giving God everything he needs to do for us, and we're wrong about 99.99% of it. And God is saying, I don't don't need your help. I just need your heart. Just trust me. Don't bring me your solutions. Bring me your problems because praying hurt can be so hard. It is not easy. And praying hurt means that I sit down and if I want to cope with those hurts in my life, I want to cope with those disappointments in my life, I want to cope with that distress in my life, that doesn't mean I sit down and write out what I want God to do. That means I sit down and in a broken heart, I don't know what to pray, and I say, God, I don't know. This is not easy. Lord, I don't have a solution. I just have a problem. We don't know what to pray for as we should. Let me show you the fourth thing and I'm finished. Paul said this, sometimes silent prayers are the best prayers. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. The King James says, groanings which cannot be uttered. Two words there that that I want you to know. The, The first word there is the word intercedes. Now get this, in the Greek, this is the only time this Greek word is used in all the Bible. And you may not find that beautiful, but go home and study it. That is beautiful. That the only time this particular word, intercede, is used in the Bible is on the Holy Spirit interceding on behalf with us, of us. And it means to be present with us, aid us. It, it's, it, 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 the word intercession but means this, but here it means your, your, your attorney in court. The one who is called to your aid in court the holy spirit is our advocate our intercessor our 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 attorney but but then it's another word it's it's groanings now some people have taken this phrase and they've tried to make it mean something it doesn't mean this is not some kind of private prayer language this is not uh speaking in tongues it's not any of that that's not what this means as a matter of fact it's the opposite of that it can't that can't possibly mean that because the word groanings which cannot be uttered there is a Greek word that means no audible sound made. No audible sound made. So we've got an intercessor on our behalf, but there's no audible sound being made. It can't be a prayer language. There's no sound being made. It is your heart. As a matter of fact, the groanings are the groanings of your heart. The groanings of your heart. So here's what the Bible says. I'm done, but boy, I want to I end, end good here for you. 
When you are so hurt, you don't know how to pray. The Holy Spirit of God steps between you and God in prayer, and he translates the hurts of your heart. When you do not know how to pray, the Holy Spirit of God steps between you and God in prayer as your inner cedar, and he translates the hurts of your heart into a prayer for God. And I don't ever do this, but in my sermon notes, I put a little hallelujah in there. If there was ever a time to say hallelujah, that's it. Our interceder translates the pain of our hearts into a prayer, which means the silent prayers are the best prayers. Close your Bible. I'm going to tell you a story. I'm done. Last week, I told you a story about my youngest daughter being sick. Let me, let me tell you a story about my oldest daughter being sick. It's the best way I know how to describe my oldest daughter, Savannah. Uh, she was a little early, but uh, she had only a couple months old, and she wound up in the hospital with uh, pneumonia for about a week. And then she was out for just a little bit, and she wound back up in the hospital again with uh, pneumonia. She had a hard time with her lungs getting started right. And so um, when all that started... My wife took our kids to the, took her, took her to the doctor and, you know, all doctors do this. They, they walk in and they, they, they say it like this. They'll say, what's wrong little girl talking to my two month old baby. And when the doctor looked at Savannah at two months old and said, what's wrong little girl? Savannah said, well, doc, here, here are my symptoms I want to tell you about. No, she didn't do that. You know what she did? She just kept crying, kept wheezing, kept coughing, kept being in misery, hurt, and pain. But can I tell you something? My hurting daughter was not without an advocate in the room. Because Mama Sherry was in the room with her hurting daughter. And the doctor may have looked at Savannah and said, what's wrong, little girl? And all she may have done was cried, and all she may have done was wept, and all she may have done was keep hurting. But Mama Sherry was there to be the interceder between Savannah and the doctor. And I tell you what Mama Sherry does. Mama Sherry said, well, doc, let me tell you what's going on. Here's her symptoms. Here's what's wrong with her. And here's what I think needs to be done to her. And the doctor looked at Sherry, not Savannah, and said, you know what? I think you're right. Let's do that. And all of a sudden, here's what we have. We had a hurting baby who could not articulate the reason of their hurt or how, even how to heal their hurt. And we had a doctor who had it within his power to help, but they couldn't communicate. And all of a sudden, in the middle of that, stepped in an interceder to say, I got this. And let me tell you what's wrong, Doc. And she was able to translate the hurts of her life to the one who could do something about it. Hey, church, can you hear me? That is exactly what the Holy Spirit does in your life. When you kneel before God in prayer and God looks down and says, what can I do for you? And you look up at God and all you've got is tears in your eyes. All you've got is hurt in your heart. All you've got is pain in your life. The Holy Spirit will step between you and God and say, hey, 
I got this on your behalf. And the Holy Spirit will look at God and say, let me tell you what I think. And let me tell you what I think needs to be done. And all of a sudden, sometimes all you have to have is that emotion. Sometimes all you have to have is that silence. Sometimes all you have to have is that pain. Sometimes all you have to have are those unspoken questions. Sometimes all you can do is bow. And bow in silence. Sometimes that's the best prayer. Because it's the Holy Spirit that serves as your heavenly translator, your interceder, your advocate, and petitions God on your behalf. He translates the silent hurt into a prayer to God. He said, Lord, they don't know. Father, they don't know. They're hurting so bad. Pain is so bad. The grief is so bad. They don't, they don't know. They can't see a way forward. They don't know what to do. They don't know the next step. Hey, we can work this out between the two of us, can't we? Hey, Lord, we can make this all better, can't we? Let, let me tell you what I think they need. That's how you pray hurt. You realize, number one, you're not alone. You have a friend who's there to help you when you pray. You realize that even though you're weak, sometimes strength comes out of that weakness, and praying in weakness is a strength. You know praying is not easy, but our job is not to bring problem, solutions to God. Our job is to bring problems to God, and sometimes even when you don't know what to say, those are the best prayers you've ever prayed. Would you stand with me across the room with your heads bowed, your eyes closed? If you're watching online, just heads bowed. Bow your head right where you are. Listen, if you're here today and do not know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, I've got the, some of the worst news you've ever heard. One is heaven is not your home. And two, uh, you don't have this friend. You are alone. It takes knowing Christ to have him in your life. And you can know that today. Today. Many of you are watching online and you came to the service in person because there's this drawing that God had placed on your life to know more about God. And I'm about to tell you the only way to know more about God is to trust him as Lord and Savior of your life. You say, well, where's that class I sign up for? How do I do that? It's not a class you don't sign up for. You do it. It's a decision you make. And it's as simple as ABC. A, you have to admit that you're a sinner and can't save yourself. You can't be good enough to go to heaven or earn heaven. You have to admit it. We've all admitted it. I wouldn't trust the best five minutes of my life to get me into heaven. B, you've got to believe that Christ died on the cross for your sin and rose again the third day. We call it the gospel story, and you have to believe it. And C, you have to confess him as Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whether you're in the building or whether you're online, listen, you need to be saved today if you're not. Now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, and I'm going to ask you to pray with me right now. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's the intent of your heart to trust Jesus. If you'd like to be saved now, know the Holy Spirit is taking up resident in your heart. Pray with me right now, out loud or in your heart. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I cannot save myself, but I know that Christ died and rose again so I could be saved. So just now, I invite Christ into my life to forgive me of my sin, to save me, to give me a home in heaven. And I trust Jesus and Jesus alone. Listen, head still bowed, eyes closed. If you just prayed that prayer, 
in here online, you are born again. You are a child of God. But there's some things you need to do next. There's some immediate steps you need to take in the Christian life. And we want to tell you what those are. And so if you'll take out your phone and text, I did, to the number 97,000. So where the phone number goes, put in 97,000 and text, I did. You can take a screenshot of that. No spaces. I did. Uh, you can take a photo of the television up here online. Or you rewatch the sermon through our app and all this will be on there. We want to send you some material in the mail, and that'll, that'll get the material sent to you if you just text, I did, to 97,000. So now as we finish up, Christians, let me talk to you for a moment. Here in the room, let me ask you a question. How many of you would say, preacher, I've got some anxiety, stress, discouragement in my life I need to cope with, and I have found prayer hard, and preacher, I want you to pray with me. Would you just hold your hand up here in the room? Oh, wow, wow, wow. All around the room. I know online it's the same. It's online. Look, I, I, I challenge you over the next few days, go back and listen to both these sermons again, last week and this week, and let God speak to your heart. And I, I want to pray for you just now. Father, hundreds of people online and hundreds of people in this room hurting, discouraged, distressed. And we, we, we can feel all alone, but help us know we're not. Help us to know that in that weakness, we can be made strong, Help us know when our prayers are silent, they can still be some of the best prayers. Help us to cope. Jonah said, in my distress, I prayed. David said, in my distress, I prayed. The psalmist said, in my distress, I prayed. There are a lot of people listening to this sermon that in their distress, they need to pray. Lord, when they do, I pray that your spirit would love them and let them know they're not alone and God hears and answers their prayers. Help us to cope, deal effectively with that difficulty. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. For more information about Peavine or to get in touch with us, please visit our website, peavine.org. Thanks for listening.